you, your use of music is by this time legendary. Wow, thanks. For example, the song Stuck in the Middle with You is synonymous with Reservoir yeah. Dawdle. How do you select this music? It's a big part of what I do, and I, I think it's a, um, it's a big part of the, the, the fun of modern movies, of modern cinema. And when I say modern, I mean uh, to some degree starting with uh, Rock Around the Clock played and uh, Blackboard Chumming a little bit more normal, and now it's very normal, is to have uh, uh, modern pop songs in your, uh, uh, in your films. And not only are they in them, like you kind of cut the scenes uh, to them. When you do it right, and the music and the movie kind of goes in sync with each other for a sequence or so, it's just kind of like you're flying or you're skating or something. And those are always just like the fun, the, some of the funnest parts to watch with an audience because they're really engaged. I mean, mm -hmm. in the days before video, I would go and see a movie three times at the theaters basically because of one scene. And oftentimes that scene was like they used the song really well. Right. But the only way to really, you're really going to get it is to go back to the home <laughs> theater and watch the whole movie again for that one sequence. And I was happy to do that. How I end up doing it my own, I have a, a record room in my house. I'm a big vinyl guy. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And... Um, I have a room that's almost like a little used record store. It's in bins and it's broken down by genres and subgenres, as per usual. And um, and part of my thing when I'm coming up with an idea is to go through that record room and go through those records and to kind of find the music or the personality of a given movie. It's like I'm I'm looking for the rhythm that this movie needs to play. And I'm looking for the as I walk these narrow streets. Where a million passing feet have tried to befall me With my guitar in my hand Suddenly I realize nobody knows me Where yesterday the multitude screamed And cried my name out for a song Aspire 
Hey there, party people. How you doing out there? How's everybody doing? Everybody doing well? I hope so. I hope this show finds everyone doing well. This is the 10th episode of the Film Deviant podcast, which is crazy to me because I thought this thing was only going to last like two episodes or whatever. But here we are, episode number 10. Crazy, right? I'm Brian, if you haven't figured that out by now. Um, And... This episode was supposed to be dedicated. It, it was, I was supposed to have another guest. Like, I know I've been spoiling you guys with guests and whatnot. Um, but here I am, all by my lonesome. And I was supposed to have a filmmaker on the show, but those plans sort of fell through. So I'm hoping to save that guest for, you know, somewhere in the near future. So instead, I'm here talking to you guys about movie music. This whole episode, I'm going to talk about 10 songs from 10 movies that just matter to me. They, uh, they're, they're, they're songs of these films that at a certain point in my life, I just really felt them, man. Like, I felt them to my core. And I'm going to be talking to you about that today. However, before I get into that stuff, I wanted to talk about something that happened to me a few days ago, a few days from ago from re- recording this episode, the 10th episode, if I haven't already mentioned that, it still trips me out that we're here on episode 10. But I felt this was super important, just kind of spreading awareness, you know, black lives still matters, right? Hasn't gone away, even though you don't see it so much on your social media feeds and whatnot, like that should always be on your mind, you know? It's a very important movement, and it should still be going on. Uh, we should still be fighting, fighting that craziness that, you know, that brings all that racial shit, like all that prejudice stuff. Like we should always be constantly as as a, a human race fighting that negativity and, and just evil bullshit. You know what I mean? But this happened to me the other night, so it just kind of brought it back to the forefront. The other night... It was pouring fucking rain, right? Like, just coming down. Like, they say buckets, right? But this, yeah, it was, like, crazy. And it was, like, a hailstorm warning and all that stuff. So I stayed at work a little later because I just hate driving and all that craziness. So as I was finishing up at work, it started clearing up outside. And I was like, you know, this is a good opening to sort of get, you know, get going, um, start my commute home. So I'm locking up, I'm setting the alarm, and I notice out in the parking lot of my establishment that I work at, I noticed a police vehicle, one of those explorers, pulling into my drive, uh, my, my parking lot. And it sort of crept by my car as I was like checking the door to make sure it was locked um, of the, the place that I work. Um, But I noticed the car, the police car, drive by my car and kind of slow down, almost like, you know, they were scoping stuff out, right? So I I, I just sort of gave a friendly nod over to the the police officer. You know, it it was actually really dark by this time, so I'm sure 
I, I couldn't see inside the vehicle, so I don't know. Right? I didn't know if they acknowledged my, my nod, my friendly nod. But anyway, police car proceeded, you know, down the parking lot. Um, there's two, two entrances to this particular parking lot, so as I, I made sure that the doors were locked to uh, my workplace, I got in my car and I drove out the nearest entrance, right? Or exit. Entrance, exit, same thing. And I noticed in my rearview mirror that the police vehicle pulled out from the 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 entrance in the far end, the the entrance slash exit on the far end um, of this parking lot that I work at. I don't work in the parking lot. <laughs> I work at this establishment, but we have a big parking lot. So anyway, I pull out and I notice in my rearview mirror that the police car turned into my direction. So kind of low-key following me, right? That's kind of what a, you know, the 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 climate out there, it's sort of like I started thinking all these things like, oh, I wonder if I'm going to get pulled over, right? So I, it's a 30 mile per hour um, area. It's, uh, it's like a little industrial park that I work in. So the speed limit's 30 miles an hour. I'm doing 29, right? I'm doing 29 because I don't want to raise any kind of suspicion. I don't want to give this this officer of the law an opportunity to pull me over. So I, I get to the stop sign, there's a stop sign um, at the end of my road, and I stop, complete stop. I put my blinker on as I'm stopping to turn right. And by this time, the, the police vehicle is right behind me, like, you know. Um, sure, they're like running my plate, I'm sure they're scoping shit out, right? So I turn right, and I head down, and I get to the, the trap, there's a traffic light at the end of that road. So I get to that, um, com- come to a complete stop, turns green. Again, I have my blinker on, I turn. And right as I turn, police lights come on. So I'm like, fuck, <laughs> here we go. I'm getting pulled over. Here it goes, right? Everything that played out in my mind is starting to happen. So I get, I pull the car over and I roll my window down. And it's a female white officer, a Caucasian um, female officer with, you know, the COVID mask on and everything. So following proper protocol. So she asks to see my license and uh, insurance card, which I promptly give to her. I tell her, hey, it's, I'm, I'm, it's okay if I'm reaching into my wallet here. You know, I'm just trying to to do everything by the book so as to not give her any kind of reason to you know have any kind of suspicion or whatever so anyway while i'm handing her over my card my uh insurance card and my license i just happen to ask her so what am i being pulled over for so she says well i saw you coming um i saw you near that establishment and uh, I was just making sure because things just looked a little suspicious. So I, would, I tell her, well, that's where I work, right? Um, I'm a manager there, and I was just leaving work, locking up and whatnot. So she goes, do you have any proof of your work? Do you have a work ID? So I just so happen to have a business card on my dashboard that, you know, I, I plan to use in case uh, when the whole pandemic thing happened. Um, when it started, uh, I, I'm, I work at an essential job, so 
I always had these uh, my my business cards handy just in case I got pulled over and asked, hey, what are you what are you doing out, right? So I hand her my business card, and she sees my license and she's like, wow, you're a far you're far away from where you live, and I just look at her and I'm like, every day, ma'am, I I gotta drive here every day, you know, it's, it's commute sucks, but gotta do what I gotta do. So basically, she's like, well. Um, it was after dark and I noticed you by a building, so I followed you and I just, you know, I, I pulled you over, uh, just to double check, you know, and I'm just, at this point, I'm just nodding. You know, if I say the wrong thing, you just never know what's going to happen, right? So she hands me over my, all my things, um, all my cards and my license and whatnot. And she says, okay, drive safe. So I drove off. But at the same time, I'm just, it just kind of gave me pause because I'm wondering now if I was driving, say, a Lexus, right, and I, I had business attire on, I wonder if I would have gotten pulled over, you know, just simply by the way that I looked. Um, you know, it just, it just makes one think with everything that's going on in society today. It just makes you think, like, why am I feeling scared? Why, 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 why do I feel scared when I'm getting pulled over by the police? Even, especially because I didn't do anything. I wasn't in the wrong. I didn't. All my, all my things, my license, my paperwork, everything was up to date. So I had no reason to feel that way. And yet, I felt like this person was putting me in check, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I just feel that I shouldn't have to feel that way. You know, the police are here to protect and to serve. And I just, I didn't feel like they were protecting that night. I felt like they were just like looking to bust me on something, which is weird. It's kind of a crazy thing to think, but again, in this whole landscape of things that are happening, it just makes you wonder, you know, it makes you wonder when somebody has a badge, do they feel powerful? Do they feel like they have power over people? And if, if that's the case, does that lead into, you know, all these tricky uh, gray areas, all these tricky, weird, um, you know, thoughts in their minds that lead to something like, you know, overpowering an individual and then, you know, suffocating the life from them? Just things like that. It just Does that mentality lead to that? You know, the, the power trip, if you will. So, I don't know. I just drove home. Kind of, um, kind of just deep in thought, thinking about like how my black brothers and sisters have to fucking fight this on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Um, I'm Venezuelan. My skin is a little darker than you know your average Caucasian individual. However, it's nothing compared to somebody that gets pulled over because it's a black and white thing, and that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't even be. In, in anybody's mind, you know. But here we are, and that's why we're still fighting, and that's why I think it's still important to keep that on the forefront of your mind. Whoever's listening out there, <laughs> if you're still listening, if you didn't turn me off, you know, within the first five minutes of listening to this, like, we should always be thinking about doing the right thing. You know, that's all. That's all, that's all I'm going to say about that. Like, we should constantly be thinking about doing the right thing. So anyway... On the flip side of that, last night, 
I um, I purchased this uh, this skateboard for my um, for my niece, who who also happens to be my godchild, my goddaughter. Um, I purchased her a deck, like a like, because I, I remember when I was young, when I was about her age, she's eleven. I wanted like a really like a professional skateboard, and um, I got like this uh, at the time. Uh, you know, the equivalent to what's a Toys R Us skateboard now. And, you know, eventually my mom um, was able to get me, like, a really, like, a professional, like, a legit professional skateboard. So, I got my son one last year, and I noticed that my niece, Lily, she was really interested in skateboarding, so I broke down and I got her a really cool, you know, 8-inch deck. And then I gave her some of my um, my older uh, trucks and wheels in order to put this thing together. And I, I showed her how to set it up and everything. Like, her father really isn't into skateboarding and whatnot. And I am, so I just happened to slide into that role and, you know, sort of teach her the basics. So last night, I was teaching her to do a couple tricks. And much to my amazement, she landed those tricks. So... You know, I took her out last weekend to just kind of push around and ride around and, and you know, learn your balance um, with skateboarding. And But last night, like, just showing her a couple things, a couple basic things that I taught myself how to do. I'm just showing her a couple of these things. And lo and behold, she does them. She, fall, she fell a couple times, you know, as you will any anybody that's starting something new. You're going to mess up. But she dusted herself off, picked herself back up, got back on the board, tried and tried and tried and tried again, and she landed him. <laughs> I was so fucking stoked. So there's this, like, duality, right, of, like, I'm constantly thinking of things like Black Lives Matter and how we should all be equal and do the right thing. And then, on the flip side, I get moments like last night, and I just... It just amazes me, the mind of a young person, you know, and how impressionable they can be. So if you show them how to do a certain thing and how to act a certain way, that's how they're going to act. Young minds are super impressionable. You know, they're always constantly yearning to learn, right? Like a sponge. And when you teach them things, and I'm I'm not saying, I'm not here telling you, oh, you should teach everybody how to skateboard and the world would be a perfect place, which I think it would be, but that's just my personal opinion. But I don't know, it just kind of, um, it led me into all these thoughts about teaching our kids the right way, you know, like just teaching them the way. And my beautiful, my beautiful niece, Lily, landed those tricks last night and it just, I don't know, man, it brought this, like, tear of pride. And, uh, yeah, like, it was just really cool. So I thought I'd share that with you before I get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. Because, you know, I feel like things like Black Lives Matter and prejudice and racism and things like that should always be, like, thought of on a, on a, on a daily basis. You know, we should always be thinking about doing the right thing and teaching our youth you know, and giving them the means to do the right thing, you know, showing them this is why this happened and this is why we're in this movement, you know. It's, I mean, if you think about it, it's not that long ago, ladies and gentlemen, that ladies were not given rights 
Like, they didn't have civil rights, you know what I mean? Like, they fought for their rights, and they actually, you know, they, they were granted their rights in the 70s, for Christ's sakes. Like, that still fucking blows my mind that as a human race, we belittle, we belittle people because of their ethnicity, their skin color, their gender, you know, if they're, their sexual orientation, you know, just who they are. Like, we... We still, as a human race, need to fix that. It's very broken. All of that stuff is severely broken, and we need to fix it. So it's got to be constant, like in our in our uh, in our heads, in our our every way of thinking, our every way of acting. Every day, we should constantly be thinking of being better. But anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like whenever I'm left to my own devices, here I am talking about being better. Right? movie music guys I know when I was growing up a lot of these films meant so much to me and in particular some of the the music from these films like you have your staples like you have your Jaws you have your uh, Exorcist um, you have your Superman your Star Wars you know Psycho was a big one for me you have all these films but those are more about the film's scores right about their their sort of theme music um, that composers and whatnot uh, create in order to give these films a certain signature, a certain fingerprint, right? A DNA, if you will. And today, I'm not talking about... I'm not necessarily talking about the film scores that mean so much to me. These are more about specific songs. Specific songs from these movies that have gone on to be, like, iconic... In a lot of ways, you know, like in pop culture, when you think of some of these songs, they resonate and they they bring you right back to that moment in that film um, where that song happens to play, you know. So having said that, I came up with a top five and then the more I thought about it and the more I wrote, (laughs) I just started adding honorable mentions. So I was like, you know what, fuck it. This is my list. It's going to be like a top ten, right? And it's not in any particular order. These are merely um, 10 songs from 10 films that I absolutely adore. And they mean something special to me. And I'm sure if you're out there listening, you love films. So maybe they might mean something to you. And, and I invite you guys to like write me back. You can email me at thefilmdeviant, thefilmdeviant at gmail.com. And just share with me some of your experiences, right? One day, I hope to be as fancy as some of the other podcast shows out there and have my own like hotline where you can call in and leave messages. But that's, you know, that's down the road. I'm, on, I'm only on freaking episode 10, for Christ's sake, so give me a break. Um, but anyway, these aren't in any order. Uh, these are just randomly um, sort of jotted down, and I'll talk about each one. I'm going to start with uh, a, a song from uh, Pulp Fiction directed by Quentin Tarantino. And now when you when you think of Quentin Tarantino, he's a big 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 music guy. So any one of his films could have made this list actually. And and actually um it's crazy it's funny because uh stuck stuck in the middle with you uh from from his Reservoir Dogs movie has been sort of making the rounds again uh because I guess Michael Madsen 
did this video interview with somebody and they played Stuck in the Middle with You and, and he's like actually dancing like he does in the film. So it's it's kind of funny how in 2020 we're still talking about things like uh, Reservoir Dogs, you know. It's still very much in the pop culture. And having said that, the song Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon by Urge Overkill is a big one. Girl, you'll be a woman soon. I love you so much, can't count all the ways I died for you, girl, and all they can say is he's not your kind. They never get tired of putting me down, and I never know when I come around what I'm gonna find. Basically, like, if, if I hear it on the radio, and they still do play that song on the radio here and there, it just automatically transports my mind back to when Mia Wallace is dancing, and she's wearing Vince's over, like, you know, overcoat, trench coat or whatever, and you're just thinking to yourself, this is the fucking scene <laughs> where, where Mia snorts that heroin and overdoses, and then it, it sets off a chain reaction of all these different events that leads to <laughs> Mia Wallace being resurrected from this overdose. But it's it's a it's a I think it's a it's a beautiful song. It's originally um it was originally created by Neil Diamond. For me anyway, it's a very poetic kind of song. And when I li- when I first heard it and it's connected to that particular scene, it just always, um, it, it always seemed very feminine, even though it's, you know, it's sung by a male, uh, by the band Urge Overkill. It's just a very, very um, feminine sounding song. So I don't know, man, like, I, I just, I've always loved that song. I, uh, I, I, I love that film. It's one of my favorite films of his. And I think it's one of those, like, it's one of, it's one of those few songs that as soon as you hear it, it connects you instantly to that film. And not so much like, you know, the the Neil Diamond song is different for its own way of, of you know, Neil Diamond's voice and, and the music from those older times. Whereas Urge Overkill's version sounds very much in the moment of, uh, I think you know, the mid-90s of when, when that film came out. So it just feels instantly connected to that film and there's not many film there, there's like a lot of filmmakers that attempt to do that with songs like they try to connect a very important pivotal scene and make it iconic to a to like a, a I, w- I don't want to say random but like a classical like a classic rock song or you know I, I know um rob zombie tries to do that a lot uh, David Fincher tried to do that with uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo um, with that Sail, Sail Away song. Uh, sail away, sail away, sail away. There's a crazy scene 
where um, Daniel Craig's character is being tortured by uh, the murderer in that movie. And that Sail Away song, uh, which I'm sure that's not what it's called, but it, it plays in the background, so he tries to attach it to that scene and it doesn't work out as, as iconically as something like Stuck in the Middle with You with Michael Madsen cutting the, the, uh, in, the individual's ear off uh, in that particular scene. So the way that everything... I don't know, I just think that Quentin Tarantino is such a, a film fan and he's such a music fan that he's able to connect all that stuff together effortlessly. And so when you hear, or at least when I, whenever I hear, Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon on the radio, it just instantly projects my mind over to that film. Um, so I had that. I had a, a song from the 80s, I believe it was from the 80s, by a, a, a group called Soul to Soul. And I know that's super random to, t- to say, but it's, um, it's a song called Back to Life. this list is because I remember when the film Belly came out uh, which is directed by Hype Williams I just remember seeing that trailer and and, you know back with the people that I used to hang out with um, we were all you know just skaters like so we would we would see that trailer and we we instantly like oh my god we have to watch that movie I have to see that movie so I remember one day just getting super fucking high and going skateboarding and and then we were like oh my god that movie belly is out so we drove to the local theater high as fuck like high af right (laughs) stumbling into the theater during that opening scene where back to life plays and it's the acapella version and you have all these crazy colors and lights going on uh, for that particular scene, so the just to give you some context, um, Nas's character and DMX's character enter a strip club because they they have intentions of robbing it, right? So they they enter and everything is slow motion. So as they're coming from the car. I'm down to 
the way that hype Williams shoots his um, scenes in his movies and his and anything that he made really just um, extravagant and just epic looking and the way that he shoots his slow motion scenes the way that they're coming out of the car into the club looking at all the female exotic dancers looking at the lights looking at everything but all the while they they their their motivation is that they're there to rob the place right so they walk in the song is playing but it's the acapella version which makes it that much more interesting like it just creates this this crazy vibe so as we're walking into the movie theater and it's pitch black and all we see is glimpses of seats because of what's going on on, on the the theater screen right it's sort of being played out in the same way because we feel like we're in slow motion i just i remember afterwards thinking like man that was such a memorable moment you know just walking in high as fuck looking to sit down somewhere we sat down next to a bunch of other people that were also <laughs> partaking of uh you know uh cannabis uh pharmaceuticals or whatever um so i just remember like being so plugged into that film and watching that movie and just being like i own that one on uh vhs and dvd um and it's just for me anyway it's one of those films that just really Pause, like put me on pause and was like wow this is a new way of of creating of, of filmmaking of, of creating the these like visions that's you know going on on the screen like this is a brand new way of doing that i've never seen anything like that before i've never heard anything like this before you know so it's it's just like it spoke to my my jalo loving um aesthetic you know what I mean? Uh, the way that I just love the colors in Jallo, the way that I love the music, the way that it's it's different, you know, the way that it's presented. Belly just did that for me. And Soul to Souls, Back to Life, and Acapella really, really did that to me. Next one is Let's Go Crazy by a gentleman named Prince from the movie Purple Rain, which was directed by Albert Magnoli. Oh, God. <laughs> I remember hearing those opening lines back when I was a kid. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. 
transported into uh you know minneapolis like downtown club scene minneapolis and man it, it was just such a special moment for me because that's another one of those moments where i felt like wow music is really taking me on this journey like it's literally grabbing my hand and saying hey brian let's go let's hop on this purple motorcycle and just fucking go to lake minnetonka you know what i'm saying <laughs> so for me purple rain uh the movie in and of itself like it, it won an oscar for this soundtrack but more importantly it just showcased the genius the brilliance of prince and what he was able to do with a lot of those songs you know and and let's go crazy i remember when he performed at the 2007 Super Bowl like I was really only there to watch the Bears play like in the fucking Super Bowl and then they eventually choked right <laughs> but um I was there to watch Prince because for me whenever somebody talks about like whoever's playing a Super Bowl at any given year doesn't mean a thing to me right they're they're these big bigger than life pop stars and for a moment they perform on the stage and it's it's whatever like for me it's always been like a generic kind of thing but when i heard that prince was performing i was like holy shit like that guy he doesn't perform like on these things you know he doesn't go out of his way to play something like the super bowl so i just thought it would be a very special moment and i remember as soon as it came back from commercial break the you know it was dark and i was like in my head and i just started saying it dearly beloved we are gathered and as i said it Prince said it on the screen as we're watching the the halftime show of the Super Bowl. So it was just like that song has just always been something special to me and it's a very like uplifting song. It just it just makes you just want to be in love with life, you know. So Let's Go Crazy by Prince and if anybody if if I would dedicate this episode to anybody it would just be to the legacy of prince and and what he's always meant to me um you know personally i think i think um with everybody when i say that he passed on way too early because i feel like he had so much more to give um you know i was hoping that one day like he would have like gray hair 
and he'd be like performing out there, you know, 70 years old and still performing and still making music. But such is life. And sometimes these brilliant artists are taken away from us way too soon. Um, but that's rock and roll, right? So anyway, the next one I have on my list, not a super important one, really. But when when you're transfixed in this particular film and this song comes on, the very first few notes of the song, you know, you fucking understand that you are in for a ride. Like just this crazy um, roller coaster of the third act of Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later. And the song that I'm really talking about is a song by John Murphy called In the House in a Heartbeat. And if you know the film, you know that this this takes place in the third act, um, in the finale of this film, where the characters of Jim, Jim, Selena, and Hannah are being held captive at this like military house right like it's the um the apocalypse like a zombie rage zombie apocalypse is happening in the background and they're like um they're in this house like they they overtook this house and they're using it as this like military base and jim selena and hannah are being held captive and in particular hannah and selena are sort of looked at as like um you know a means to repopulate the world like the 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 way that um the antagonist like the way that the role of the antagonist has switched from the the rage-filled zombies to this military guy like this the leader of this military group it's so genius the way that they do it because you you almost think that if like shit hits the fan, there's going to be groups of like these gun-toting people that are going to just try to strong arm the weaker people, you know, the more peace-loving people, and just you know be like basically be their boss, like be you know president of these people, and that's what's portrayed very very nicely um, in this storytelling, you know. Um, so anyway, as the third act is happening. Jim sort of escapes and but he he's like he escapes the house but he's trying to get back to save Selena and Hannah and it's very like the act, the performances are brilliant Killian Murphy is awesome uh, Naomi Harris is I, I think she's always amazing whatever role she's playing um, but just the escalation of the music the way that the music um, basically goes together with the scene in the movie just brilliant just like Danny Boyle uses music to his advantage in a lot of these movies that he makes in particular trains like a film like train spotting um, and then later on like in the beach and some of these other movies that he's made very very like very smart storyteller and and the way that he melds music in his storytelling is just genius so in the way that he tells this particular scene where Jim is coming back to save Selena and Hannah and the intensity is being ramped up by the music and the events that are happening, there's so much violence, so much fighting, and it's just brilliant, man. Like, if you've never seen 28 Day Days Later, I implore that you watch it. 
Um, it's just such a great movie, a great take on the zombie subgenre. Um, and this song in particular just really drives the film into like uncharted. Not, I wouldn't say uncharted territory because there's there's been films that have done stuff like that before, but the way that it's done in this film, ultimately, it's just such a fucking great finale. Um, anyway. Next one up is a very, 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 very pivotal film for myself. <laughs> I'll preface this particular pick uh, by saying that. I'm just going I'm, I'm just going to come on and say Suspiria, directed by Dario Argento. I'm not even going to mention the newer version out there. But the, the original version by Dario Argento, the entire fucking soundtrack <laughs> by Goblin is just so fucking genius and it's not only genius but it's so next level genius you know in particular the songs uh witch and the title track suspiria grabs you by the fucking throat and shows you, hey, this is something brand new that you're going to be involved in. This is going to be an experience. This is not going to be one of those things where you just listen to the song or the music or whatever and then just move into the scene and it all, like I just talked about, it all melds together perfectly. The music in Suspiria is its own character. Like, it's, it's, it has its own life. You know, it, it, imagine, if you will, if, if you're a big fan of Suspiria, and if you've seen it multiple times, try to take the music out from it. Like, just try to imagine that film with all the dialogue, with everything else in the movie, but take that particular piece, take all that music out and replace it with, like, I don't know, artificial stuff. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that no one's ever thought of doing this before. Like, I, I hope somebody listens to this and re-edits that movie to add a, mu- a much more straightforward, like, score. You know what I mean? The movie, I guarantee, wouldn't be what it is today, like what it's known as today, as a singular uh, piece of just emotions and and all these different elements that create this this movie. All these different senses. It's 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 a film for all of your senses, you know. And when you consider the score, when you consider the soundtrack, I look at it as more of a soundtrack because Goblin is actually a, a legit prog rock band you know from the 70s and into the 80s so they're they're like a legit band so they do scores you know in in movies like deep red and uh you know um opera and uh i'll talk about them a little bit more in my next movie (laughs) that I'm, i'm choosing for this list but goblin is a legit band right and to call this a score just doesn't feel right. You know, like Ennio Morricone, uh, Bruno Nicolai, those people wrote scores. Goblin writes songs, and they use and Argento uses the, these particular songs as the score for the film. So when you consider a song like Witch, 
where it's got that bombastic drumming, right? That bombastic, just like over the top, in your face, in your ear holes, drumming that just creates that that fucking tension and that that pit in your gut. It's all working to make you feel all these things, you know. So, Suspiria, man, that's just that's an experience in and of itself. Like it just doesn't. It's not necessarily um, cinematic. It is like, don't get me wrong. It's a fucking cinematic masterpiece, but it's cinematic. It's it, you. You hear it. You listen to it. Everything that's going on in the film, you know, and you can almost feel it. Like you can almost touch. Everything bleeds through the screen so thickly. Um, the, the the level of the girth <laughs> that is presented in your face. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about anymore, but. Suspiria, man, it's just such a beautiful experience. So if you've never seen Suspiria, you're doing yourself a grave disservice and you need to get up on that. You need to stop this this podcast and reevaluate your life and then put Suspiria on, watch that, the, the original, not the new one, and just really feel what it's like to have every single element of a film come together in perfect unity. You know, that's what Suspiria is to me. Anyway, having said, having mentioned Dario Argento, we're not done with Dario Argento. This is the Film Deviant Podcast, and I am Brian. So you will know that Dario Argento is probably going to show up in just about every goddamn list that I make from here to whenever, you know. But anyway, I talked um, in previous episodes about how... Creepers, how the film Creepers, how much that has meant to me, and Phenomena. I remember when I first watched Creepers, it had this song that I could never play. Like, I didn't know who they were at, in that time. Like, I think I watched Creepers in 86, I want to say. Like, it came out in 85. So it came out, came out like theatrically in 85. I don't think it hit video stores until the, the next year, right? And so that's when I watched Creepers. And by that time, I was about 85, 86, we'll say, like for argument's sake. Um, so I was like 11, 12, right? I remember watching Creepers when I was that young. And just remembering, you know, Flash of the Blade by Iron Maiden.
remembering that song as something that just grabbed me and shook me and really made me feel something like it wasn't up until I didn't know what heavy metal was. It wasn't until later when I met this individual named Paul Stebbin who sort of turned me on to what heavy metal is and I'll 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 talk about Paul Stebbin in a later episode. But man, Paul Stebbin was my link to heavy metal. And I didn't know what heavy metal really was defined as until then. So when I first heard Flash of the Blade by Iron Maiden in the film Creepers, I was just like, wow, this is fucking crazy. Like up until then I was into like breakdancing music, I was into rap music, I was into Michael Jackson, Prince. Like that stuff that you would probably see on MTV, you know, and and something like Iron Maiden wasn't necessarily broadcast on MTV too frequently. I mean, it wasn't until much later with Headbangers Ball that people didn't really have a clue about those bands, you know. But anyway, I listened to Flash of the Blade and I instantly knew that I needed more of this stuff, right? So it wasn't until a little bit later when I met Paul Stebbin and he became my my pusher, right? My 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 dealer of all these uh bands and all this beautiful music. All this heavy metal stuff, man. Just like but I could attribute the first time that I ever heard what heavy metal was to Creepers, to Flash of the Blade by Iron Maiden. So it's a very important movie and song for me because it was like it was the beginning of certain things like it was my very first Argento movie and it was my very first Iron Maiden song. So big fan of both. So to this day when I when I hear Flash of the Blade like in my car, it just transports me to that moment. So the next film I'd like to talk a little bit about is a little film Presented by Barry Gordy's, because I remember, I mean, the film is directed by Michael Schultz, but it was always touted as Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. And from that film, DeBarge's Rhythm of the Night. just really spoke to that that era you know what i mean like whenever you saw that trailer that song was playing and it like i instantly knew i fucking have to watch that movie because when rhythm of the night played it's just a very fun happy song and it puts you into that that mood of wanting to fucking (laughs) put the glow on and fight motherfuckers that are trying to like you know 
bust up your whole pizza shop or whatever. <laughs> or steal your girl, you know. Steal Laura Charles or whatever. But anyway, El DeBarge. And I, I think the song, um, I'm looking at my notes here, and it peaked at number three on the Billboard chart. So it was a very popular song, and I remember at that time it was on, on MTV constantly. It was on all the radios, um, on every station. Like, they always used to play that song, like, just beat it into your head. But I don't remember it being something as big as, like, something by Michael Jackson or... Prince at the time or Madonna or anything like that big I felt like that I, I believe that was a one-hit wonder like I don't think I don't think I've ever heard anything from DeBarge since um and up until that point so Rhythm of the Night amazing song to an even more amazing film um and I will talk about The Last Dragon in an upcoming episode with with a with a guest <laughs> so stay tuned for that one um, the next film, next song from film, is Flash by Queen from the film Flash Gordon, directed by Mike Hodges. Flash. There's nothing that is as epic as a Queen soundtrack song. (laughs) I'll say that again. There is nothing in this world that is as epic as a Queen song from a soundtrack. And to to further that, to, to delve even deeper into that, the way that those particular Queen songs, like when you compare them to like previous Queen songs or whatever... They're just on a different fucking level. Like, I think Freddie Mercury sings a little bit crazier. I think uh, Brian May's guitar is, like, that much crazier. Like, the the soundtrack songs from Queen are just, like, their own animal. You know, when you consider um, One Vision from Iron Eagle, that fucking song is just, like, epic, right? And then the one from Highlander, like, just super epic. So, like, when Queen came together to record songs for a specific film it was like exceptional and flash is no exception it's just such a epic sounding song and it puts you right in that frame of mind like you gotta fucking save the earth you know what i mean (laughs) so flash by queen is a goddamn classic musical masterpiece the last song 
that I'm going to talk about on my list is from a movie from the 80s that I simply just adored. Uh, it had Michael Pere in the movie as well as Willem Dafoe. And it's a little movie called Streets of Fire by Walter Hill. And from that movie, I Can Dream About You by Winston Ford. Oh, man. Oh, buddy. <laughs> such a crush on this girl back when I was in school um, I won't name her for fear of anybody <laughs> that's from my old uh, place where I grew up in and you know for any anybody that's listening to the show and happened to know me from back then I don't really want to men- I don't want to go into the specifics you know but let's just say I had a huge crush on this one particular girl who walked into my homeroom and uh, when the homeroom teacher introduced who she was, I just remember feeling like everything just slowed down and butterflies flew into the room and daisies sprouted from everywhere, <laughs> every corner. You know what I mean? And this song was in my head because I, I, I remember watching this movie very recently around that time, uh, probably like the previous night from when this particular crush walked into the, my homeroom. And in my head, this song was playing. So I know I sound super creepy and I sound like a goddamn stalker or whatever. And I love these Jalo movies, so I, I wouldn't blame you. But I just remember that song being so pivotal, you know. And, and then the lyrics in the song, like, I can dream about you if I can hold you tonight. I don't know why the fuck I'm saying on my podcast, but here I am, right? That song... Is just so magical, and uh, God, it just brings me. I, I like every once in a while they'll play it um, on on the radio, and it just takes me back to that moment of just being that that having that kind of puppy love, you know, and and then figuring out like man, like this is what love can be and all that stuff, you know, and and the song from that movie, which is about like these, you know crazy gangs fighting each other in this like weird kind of apocalyptic looking uh world or whatever uh just a very 
very, very important song to me personally. So anyway, I Can Dream About You by Winston Ford from the movie Streets of Fire. Awesome. I think that rounds out my top ten list, guys. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for... uh, I got this amazing email by a listener that just like, God... I don't even know why you're wasting your time writing me. Like it just blows my my mind. Like, but thank you. Like it's such kind words you've guys had about this podcast show that I'm doing. So I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart um, that you're you guys are even listening to this, right? But if you want to listen to a better podcast show, <laughs> may I recommend Film Jerks, the 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 latest episode. Um, I'm sure they'll probably have more episodes out there by the time you listen to this. But Derek Carey, which is a, a dear, dear, dear friend of mine, he's a beautiful, he's one of those people that you meet in life that you're just like, man, that individual is on the same level as me. And we just click on every fucking thing. And he's just, he's just a magical person. I, I mentioned him during the, uh, the Danzig episode, <laughs> the Danzig Sega episode where he was at that Misfits show that me and my friend Craig went to see, and he was kind enough to offer up some seats that were in front of him so we could see the the show much better. Um, But anyway, he's on this uh, show called Film Jerks, and in this one particular episode, they talk about an amazing Van Damme movie uh, called Bloodsport that I actually wanted to do an episode on until I heard this episode, and I was like, you know... Anything that you would ever want or need from an episode about the movie Bloodsport is in this fucking uh, Film Jerks episode. So totally recommend giving that one a listen and, you know, maybe subscribing to Derek Carey's All the Gimmicks, his Astro Radio Z, as well as um, stuff like Film Jerks because they're very uh, cinema-centric. Like, they talk about a lot of these amazing movies that we just love, you know, and they're, they're very important and dear to our hearts. They talk about them with the same level of respect. And, you know, Derek Carey just has this amazing taste. So I totally recommend all of his shows. Way better produced than mine. So <laughs> um, definitely recommend Film Jerks. Um, and in particular, that episode uh, about Bloodsport is just so fucking fun and genius. But anyway, another person that I'd like to recommend is this uh, woman by the name of Amy Walker. She happens to be an accent expert. And when I say accent expert, if you watch any of her videos, she moves in and out of accents like so flawlessly. Like it's just so crazy to watch. Um, she's on the YouTube channel, um, the Vanity Fair YouTube channel, and she where she breaks down like some of these um, iconic film accents. Um, a lot of these accents from these like big, big, big time movies. And the way that she breaks them down, you're almost like, you're almost kind of, I don't know, rolling your eyes when you see this happening. But once it happens in front of you, it's like, holy shit, like she can move into that accent even better than that actor did in that movie, you know? So I I definitely recommend seeking her out. She's got some really cool stuff on there, like 20 minute videos. And I could watch, I could watch her go on about accents for like an hour, like if she, if she had her own show or whatever. Um, So anyway... Check those two things out. Amy Walker on Vanity Fair YouTube channel and Derek Carey on Film Jerks. Seek those out. 
wherever you listen to your things and watch your things. <laughs> uh, basically, YouTube and Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for hearing me out, for listening to some of my social babble in the beginning, and also me talk about music and films. Um, this stuff is super important to me, and what's even more important to me is your well-being. So please, just like be kind to each other, be kind to this world, and let's try to change it and, and make it a better world together, right? Anyway, I don't know what I have planned next. <laughs> Maybe another episode with um, Krista from The Strange Sessions. Uh, maybe another episode with AC uh, from Dr. AC. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to have next. So stay tuned for that. Um, in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. I love you guys. And take care of yourselves and each other. Peace out.